Hey everybody, welcome to the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast. I'm Mike Costello and I'm your host and we're going to talk about how hunting ain't easy, especially here in California. Um, you're probably wondering, why do we need another hunting podcast? And that is a legitimate question, especially if you're talking about a podcast with a host who as of four years in to deer hunting in California hasn't yet killed a buck. So good question, completely valid. And uh, I think the reason um, I'm inspired to do a podcast here is that in California, we don't really have any podcasts that truly focus on what's going on here in the state. Um, I've been really inspired by and and gained a ton of knowledge and inspiration from several podcasts over the last uh, six to seven months. I wasn't really even a podcast consumer or listener until last fall in 2020 and probably just tripped over by, by finding through some Google searches or YouTube searches, found some content on YouTube that then led me to Spotify, that this led me down the rabbit hole of all the different hunting podcasts out there that focus on big game hunting in the Western United States. And so uh, I've been able to pull a ton of inspiration and, and information from you know podcasts like John Stallone, uh, His Days in the Wild podcast, and Jay Scott Outdoors. I, uh, an epic outdoors podcast. I, I, I binged on their podcasts on two bonsai trips down to Arizona this last January for the over-the-counter archery hunt down there and just absolutely soaked up probably 36 hours of, of listening um, to those podcasts. Got a lot of inspiration. Uh, I found a lot of a lot of information and inspiration in, in Brian Call in his podcasts uh, and his YouTube channel on Gritty, um, the Hunt Back Country podcast, the the Finding Back Country podcast. You know Cody Rich, his Rich Outdoors. Um, there's a there's just so much great knowledge out there that we can all learn from, and so that. But but what's missing? What's missing for me as a California resident and and California hunter is um, there's not anything that really focuses on what's going on in California, you know, week in and week out. And so that's my goal is to bring you um, information and knowledge and experiences from people that are, you know, at the top of the game, you know, top of the hunting industry, um, top of the regulatory and public policy industry. It is an industry um, with a California focus. So, you know, there is uh, California hunting. What do we have here? We've got a couple hundred thousand hunters over, I think, 250,000 deer tags sold last year in California. We've got almost 50,000 bear tags sold and we need a voice like we need to pull together with a, a, a good voice um, because there are challenges in California not just the fact that it's hard to find deer but there's challenges 
in terms of public policy too um that we can all get a, get into and be a part of and and for the most part we're not a part of it yet so other other organizations and other people with motives that are that are really contrary to what we want to see in california those groups are the ones that are going to start steering policy in the state and i am call me naive uh, or call me optimistic but i believe that with more quality information and some good platforms to share that information and then um, a little bit of motivation, inspiration. We can get uh, more of our hunting community voice uh, organized and directed in a way that we can start making things happen that benefit hunting, benefit the hunting community, benefit the non-hunting community so they understand what we're all about and why wildlife management through hunting, also known as conservation, is a good thing it's good for everybody it's not just good for us it's good for the wildlife it's good for the wilderness it's good for backpackers and and people that are camping um in the woods in the wilderness and and so i one of my big goals here is to not just share hunting stories but to really get into some of the opportunities we have to pull our voices together um i think one of the the, the moments that it became clear to me that there's a need uh, for a focused podcast, a focus on California was with the threat of a bear hunting ban that came onto our, our came into the, the legislature here in California in late January and early February. And I think that what we saw with that was, you know, humane society and a legislature a, a senator a california senator who has no interest in understanding what wildlife management really looks like plus the humane society in their anti-hunting agenda put forth an a bear hunting ban that would have outlawed bear hunting in california and it was so contrary to the science that that stood out immediately. Um, we have a tremendous bear population here in California, second possibly only to Alaska. And um, what what I saw, what I witnessed, was the hunting community and and even some non-hunters really responded clearly and quickly and firmly that bear hunting is a legitimate wildlife management tool it is legitimate sport and it is legitimate source of meat source of clean healthy free-range protein i mean you know when you think about what do bears eat in california um aside from a, a few some garbage bears that live close to you know urban centers or urban areas um Bears in California are, are eating berries, you know, grass in the spring, berries in early to midsummer. Uh, they're eating acorns and nuts in the fall. And uh, unfortunately, they're also eating a handful of fawns in the spring as well. So, but for the most part, you know, by the time hunting season comes around, bears have been cruising 
you know, nuts and berries for three, four months. And bear is bear meat is fantastic. It's it's clean, it's healthy, nutritious, it's good meat. And so when this bear ban threat of a bear ban came out, we as a community responded very very quickly um, with direct outreach to our elected officials with a change.org petition that, that gathered, I believe, about 25,000 signatures within just a week or two. Um, you know, so up front and out front with the social media, the response was was firm and clear. And then we also, of course, the the hunting community has, you know, some paid lobbyists through the through the various organizations that that play in that sandbox. You know, they were able to do some work behind the scenes and we got that legislation pulled. So why is that important to the podcast? It's because I believe that what we saw there is an, is just a seed of what the hunting community can and needs to do, can do and needs to do over the next several years in terms of identifying issues that we want to participate in and getting in front of those threats to hunting and those threats to quality wildlife management. So we kind of found our voice there for us for several weeks. And I want to be part of the, the platform or part of the, the, uh, the movement to, to continue to help the hunting community find its voice in California so that we can steer the policy discussions and steer the outcomes of those discussions in a way that it benefits habitat management and it benefits wildlife management, benefits conservation and wildlife management through hunting. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic in that if we do this together um, consistently, we're in a position to affect policy and projects that will yield more deer on the landscape, you know, more blacktail deer. If we want to hunt blacktails, we need more blacktail deer. We want to hunt ha- uh, mule deer, we need better mule deer habitat, and we need more mule deer up there in the mountains and in the desert. You know, if we want, if I ever want to pull an elk tag, well, we need more elk in California. Um, so, you know, we we all want to be more successful and have more wildlife out there to hunt. So we need to get involved in the policies and the projects that are going to yield those outcomes over the next several years. And I'm looking forward to learning from professionals about how we can do that. And then, of course, sharing that with you. Um, What's my background as a hunter? Uh, I'm an adult onset hunter. I started in 2017. I'm 51 now. So I started when I was 47. And... uh, the score is currently deer zero and bear one. I've not yet taken a buck in four seasons. I'm probably going to have to say that on every podcast up until hopefully just this August of 2021 when, when I expect to close the deal. And I have taken one bear last fall, last uh, actually Labor Day weekend last year. Um had several bear encounters during archery season and was finally able to close the deal on a, a good-sized bear. Mature boar, 
probably in the 250 to 300 pound range. I did not pack him out. <laughs> I was four miles deep and I had to break him down. And uh, I left the skin uh, behind. Uh, of course, took the skull, the head out. And uh, I've got the skin, the, the skull being uh, cleaned up by some beetles right now. I'm looking forward to getting that back. And I'm thinking it's probably going to be a 19 inch to 20 inch skull once it's finally measured. So it's a good sized bear. And based on his teeth, he has lived a full life because they are ground down to the nubs um, and, you know, very stained. So I'm guessing he's probably at least 10 years, 10 to 12 years or older. Uh, once I've got the skull back, we'll send a tooth in to get, get it, get it uh, scored or graded and see how old he really was. But uh, anyways, yeah, I'm a little bit inexperienced in, in terms of hunting, uh, given my success there. Um, but what I found is that, you know, whether you fill a tag or not, if you're out there for however many days you're out there doing it, you know, doing ch chasing the animals, um, every day is a day to learn. Every day is a day to have an experience that you hadn't had yet. You know, it's a day to, to put some stories into the book, um, see some things that you've never seen before, start to connect the dots on habitat and, and you know, sign and wildlife and, and start learning how this whole puzzle goes together. So that's what I've really embraced is every season I've gotten closer. And in other episodes, we'll go down, you know, really go down the rabbit hole of, of what I've been able to learn and kind of how each season progressed. But the bottom line is, is every time I go out, uh, I learn something new. I see something new and the, the puzzle or the riddle, as I like to say, sometimes I get closer to solving that riddle of how to find these animals and then how to get close enough to them to, to take one, um, I did have the benefit of doing a lot of backpacking as a kid. And so I did a lot of backcountry fly fishing in the golden trout wilderness in here in California. And so as a teenager, um, probably between about, you know, nine years old and 23 or so, I did a fair amount of backpacking, did some through hiking on the Jumir trail. And so I got comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's an important part of, of, you know, if you do backcountry hunting, which is where I like to be, you know, at the end of the road, get to the end of the trail, go off trail and get out there to where there there's, you know, no boot tracks, no single tracks, no vehicle tracks, and uh, just, just myself in the mountain. So if you do that kind of hunting, then you definitely have to be comfortable with discomfort. And uh, thankfully, I, I did enough of that as a kid and young adult that it gave me a base to where in 2017 when I did start hunting I had some equipment that I could use um you know had a backpack had a tent had a <laughs> had a sleeping bag it was all it's all 25 years old at the time but it worked and still does to a certain degree um but I, I, I knew I could go out and, you know, hike out by myself and, and sleep in the woods and not be completely creeped out. Um, although there's been a couple of times that I've been fairly creeped out. So, uh, but that's part of it. That's part of learning. That's part of the experience. So I'm a, I'm a bow hunter. I'm a rifle hunter. Opportunistic. Depends on the area. Depends on the tag. Um, what, what, 
you know, what I'm going to carry into the woods to, to hunt with. And I like to do backcountry public land hunting uh, solo. So I have yet to hunt with anybody else. Um, I think for me, it's a very personal pursuit. You know, for a lot of folks, it's a very social pursuit. But for me, it's not. And uh, I think there's, you know, there's a place for both. But for me, I like to go out and, and do this solo to where I'm just kind of in my own head, uh, experiencing the wilderness and the habitat and trying to put it all together uh, kind of mentally myself as I, as I see and, and do new things back there. So the focus of the podcast, week in and week out, uh, we're going to keep it on California as much as possible. Um, we'll deviate a little bit. You know, we talk about tag strategy and hunt planning and whatnot. I, I can't avoid the fact that, you know, I'm starting to accrue points in, in a few other states or several other states. Uh, I did that bonsai run down to Arizona twice this last January. It was an awesome, cool opportunity. Um, and so, you know, I, I think looking at some of these other states to see what they've got to offer is, is an, is a no brainer. And uh, if you can, um, if you've got the bandwidth to to start looking at at some of our neighboring states, then then you know certainly do that, and we'll talk about some of those things. But we'll keep the focus on California. Um, you know, we'll do we'll talk have lots of hunting stories. You know, those shared experiences, kind of campfire stories, are are a great way to to pull little nuggets of wisdom and experience from somebody else. Um, kind of weave, weave other people's experiences into what you know and what you've done and seen and, and where something fits in and, and makes sense to you. You can kind of start to incorporate other people's techniques and, and continue to build out your own portfolio of skills from those shared experiences. Um, we'll talk a lot about scouting. I'm probably better at scouting than I am at hunting. <laughs> and so, and honestly, if, if you had to, if I had to choose between, you know, a two day hunt with the tag and filling that tag successfully with no scouting, no other wilderness experience throughout the year or all the scouting and not filling the tag, I'd probably take the scouting. Um, because I love it. I love, I think that is absolutely part of the hunt. That's a, that's a critical part of, of putting it all together is that discovery process of looking at a zone on paper, looking at a zone on e-scouting. I use Google earth quite a bit. I'm starting to use Gaia maps. Of course I use Onyx maps. Um, so doing that e-scouting process and then getting out there, boots on the ground, hiking the area, you know, learning it from, you know, personal firsthand experience, you know, and then going that back and forth of going, you know, going from being in the field to going back to the e-scouting and seeing how those e-scouting tools look different once I've been out there in person. So I love that process. Absolutely fascinated by it. And, and currently I can honestly say, I'm either, you know, I'm, I'm in the scouting mode to one degree or another right now in probably six zones here in California um, and maybe another three or four in Arizona, one in Oregon. 
So we'll touch on scouting and hunt planning quite a bit. Um, I'm a trail cam guy. I love, I, I've, trail cameras have kept me in the game. I think if I hadn't put trail cam, a couple of trail cameras out in 2018, I wouldn't be hunting still. Um, they, they haven't obviously helped me close the deal on, on any deer, but they have confirmed, you know, kind of that proof of life thing. They've, they've shown me that there is inventory out there at a time, often a time where I wasn't seeing any deer. So some of the zones I hunt are really heavy in timber and, uh, the, those bucks are just invisible. The deer are just, you know, you would get to, to mid September, late September, they're hard horned. They lost their velvet and they are just absolutely invisible. They're, they're practically nocturnal and they just get into the thick stuff and, um, they, they play the wind everywhere they move, everywhere they go. And they are very hard to locate. And so, gosh, you know, putting some trail cameras out has really helped me stay optimistic that I know there are deer in the area. I just have yet to be able to bump them and, uh, and get into them without them seeing me and giving me the slip. So I'm a big fan of trail cameras. Um, they've got some pros and cons, but for me, the mo- the most important thing is I can put something up attach it to a tree, walk away from it, come back in a few months and I can then know, okay, you know, what's the population look like? A lot of deer, a lot of does. Am I, am I, am I in the wrong spot to find bucks or am I in like the buck, the buck party area? Um, or am I just doing it wrong and I need to go somewhere else? So it, it doesn't, it doesn't really do the hunting for you. Um, but it does help you identify that there's some there's some deer in the neighborhood, which is fun, and and obviously the pictures are cool. So um, we'll get into all that stuff, and uh, and then we're gonna go into a lot of information about habitat and wildlife management, public policy, and where we can make a difference on you know in helping to improve habitat, helping to improve wildlife management. You know, and how do we do that? We, we've got people to learn from and we've got people to talk to. Um, you know, the conservation leaders in California, when you look at um, who we have as resources, we've got California Deer Association, we've got the Mule Deer Foundation, which is a national org, but they're active here in California. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is active in California. Wild Sheep Foundation is active. National Wild Turkey Foundation is active. You know, Ducks Unlimited and California Waterfowl, um, there's a lot of organizations that are active in California and, um, and, and we need to know what they're doing. Like we need to know what they're doing because I think the more we learn about it, the more we can see, uh, that things are being done on our behalf and on the behalf of wildlife. And then there are also, there's places where we can be effective, whether it's writing a check, you know, dropping 30 bucks on a membership for a couple of these organizations or going out and giving some time to help some of these projects um, go forward and, and get done. There, are, There's things that we can do. And, and I think hearing from these conservation leaders will be uh, very educational and very inspiring for the California hunting community to pull together and um, improve our voice, improve our message, and improve our impact uh, through these organizations. And so we're definitely going to pull 
leaders from uh, some of the conservation groups onto the podcast so we can learn from them. Um, and then, you know, we've got the CDFW, you know, Department of Fish and Wildlife. Uh, I see so many people on, on the social media, the socials, you know, Facebook and whatnot, griping about CDFW. And s- more often than not, whatever their their complaint is about CDFW, it's something that isn't even the CDFW's purview. It's not even their regulation. You know, it's something that was set in the legislature. It's something that was set by California citizens through a proposition process. So I think we all have a lot to learn. I know I do in terms of what's going on over at CDFW, you know, how they, how they create policy and then also how they, you know, enforce or, or enact policy and regulations. So there's a lot of, uh, there's some civics that we need to learn, um, but we also we also need to learn what they're doing on our behalf or on the behalf of the wildlife that we, that we love so much. Um, I know of two studies, two different deer herd studies that are going on practically in my backyard, back in the D4 and D5 zones, multi-year studies wrapping up I believe this year, focused on those herds. Um, and that's just within, you know, an hour of me. CDFW is is doing is doing science, you know, they're doing research. It is not easy for them to get these studies funded. It's not easy to get them approved. Uh, there's a new Bobcat study that I think is gonna be fascinating and will be interesting to see how that that turns out. Um, but again, the more we know as a hunting community about these studies, about the work that CDFW is doing in the field on behalf of hunters, on behalf of wildlife, um, the better we can support them and also the better we can engage policymakers, legislator, leg- the legislative body, you know, anybody that's involved in public policy, the better the more we know about CDFW's actual work and the less we're just ranting and raving about what we think is or isn't happening, but we can speak factually, then the, the better our conversations and our impact will be in these, in this arena. You know, the fact of the matter is, and politics are involved now. Um, A lot of people say, Oh, you know, hunting shouldn't involve politics. Well, okay. It shouldn't. But guess what? It does because the anti-hunting groups, the groups that will come out and say that you know trophy hunting is bad, the groups that will come out and say you know put a negative spin on bear hunting, um, they'll put a negative spin on any kind of hunting without understanding it or caring to understand it. You know the people that would ban hunting but don't put a dime back into wildlife or habitat management. Um, those organizations have taken their fight to the political arena. And because we haven't stepped into that arena to match them, match their voice, match their argument, match their fight, they've been winning. And so whether we want politics to be involved in hunting or not, it is because the other organizations that would be our adversaries 
have taken it that way. And so we really need to be informed. And we have an opportunity here with several hundred thousand hunters in California with the funding that we provide through our tag purchases, through our rifle and bow purchases and our everything that we buy that's you know that's part of our, our hunting kit helps fund um, conservation and CDFW. So we can get involved and have a voice here and make a difference and we can start steering that policy, steering that discussion in our favor if we get ourselves organized and have have some thoughtful conversations. So very much looking forward to having CDFW folks on and others in the public policy arena to learn from them about what they're doing, but also what we can be doing better. Um, and then uh, and then finally, professional and professional hunters and amateur hunters. And so, you know, hunting stories are great. Um, but we don't talk to, you know, we don't talk to guides and outfitters a whole lot. You know, I'm personally a do-it-yourself, do over-the-counter, public land, backcountry solo hunter. <laughs> I'm like the last, last guy that's going to go out and have a hunting guide take me onto a private ranch where I can shoot something. Um, but the, but the, the point is, is that, Guides and outfitters have a very significant purpose in the hunting community, and they've got a ton of experience that we can all learn from. And so, you know, I, I'm certain that my learning curve and anybody's learning curve could have been uh, ramped up much faster and been made much uh, shorter if I'd gone out and gotten a guide to show me the ropes the first couple times I went hunting. I'm sure I would have had success earlier on and, and heck might've spent less money on everything too. Cause I've spent a lot of money on gas driving back and forth, <laughs> doing all my scouting and trying to learn this myself. But, uh, I'm looking forward to bringing some guides on, you know, I don't know a lot about the Southwestern or the Southeastern desert area of California, but there's some guides that do, you know, I don't know diddly squat about sheep hunting in California, but there's some guides that are absolute pros when it comes to wild sheep in California. Um, you know, there's areas, uh, along the North coast that I, I, I've never been, I haven't touched it, but, uh, I know there's some guides and outfitters up there that they could definitely share some stories and share some tactics to where myself and, and you as a listener could benefit from, from what they, what they do and, uh, and also what they have to say. So looking forward to pulling in some people that know specific zones, specific species, and can really give us some insights into how to get it done, whether we're, we're whether we're hunting with them or hunting by ourselves. So we'll pull those folks in as well. Um, and finally, you know, we'll, we'll get into my journey a little bit. Uh, my journey is short, four years so far, but uh, definitely making, making the best of everything. And so we'll get into some of the, the learning, you know, ups and downs that I've had. And I, I think hopefully for anybody, especially new hunters, you'll be able to relate to kind of where I've been in terms of success and failures, 
Um, and then, and then maybe even there'll be something that I can share about my journey that will help you, help you either stay out there and continue on or, um, or maybe even be successful. So, uh, welcome to hunting ain't easy. This is episode one of the podcast, and we are going to be here for a long time with many episodes a lot of information, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and hopefully some information that helps you get out there more often, uh, become more successful, and over the long haul, we can get our community voice together and uh, and speak more clearly, more firmly, and, and act in a way that gets us uh, more animals in the hills and a, a better habitat and better wildlife overall in California so that hunting is not so difficult. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hunting Ain't Easy, and we'll catch you next time.